I should probably put a couple of disclaimers out there. One is, I never let the truth get in the way of a good story, and I'm certainly not going to allow anyone else to do so. Probably not a misfix-it, but I do play one on TV. I only want to hear the good stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. I only want to hear the good stuff. Welcome to the Backstory Perspective. We're going to sit down and listen to a few stories. I appreciate you taking the time to come and chat with me today. Here we go. Welcome, everyone. I appreciate you coming here today, taking all this time, getting it set up. You made a long trip across. So you want to introduce yourself and tell me where you came from? My name is Carol Susan Gray Greenway. I came across the country from Arizona. In six days and about 12 hours. (laughs) She heard this that I was going to do this, and she pretty much hopped in her car the next morning. Yeah. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Myself was Eugene Day. I live here in Connersville. And my, my family have been born here and live here all my life. It's pretty exciting. Uh-huh. You've got a pretty good story, actually. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear about it. So this is the backstory perspective, and we're just going to sit down and have you guys have a conversation and tell me a little bit about what has happened and who Eugene Day is. Okay. So, Dad, how old are you? You don't want to know, do you? Yeah. <laughs> we do. We're, we're, tr- we're trying to put a little living history together. You're 90 years old. You yep. can lie to us, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so who are your parents? My parents is uh, Lawrence Arthur Day Sr., and my mother is uh, Frances Day. Mm-hmm. And, and how many siblings did I you have? We have 14 kids, four Four girls and nine and ten boys. Including yourself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what kind of education did you have? Well, I went to kind of a, I just went for high school, about 10th grade. I had a little altercation in school with my gym teacher. So uh, Ooh. <laughs> it come to the conclusion that I just walked, walked away from it right then. I I knew that. I said, no matter what happens, I'm going to make it. So uh, ever since I started my life, I've had all good jobs, and I've done everything in my lifetime. I've uh, I've been a farmer for two years, and I've dug ditches and laid in sewers, and and, uh, I've worked down the Bolner Motor Sales with my my brothers down there, I had two other brothers down there, they were recapping tires for the Army car, Army uh, vehicles. And I was working over with the mechanics helping them, and I'd go after new cars, and I'd put on seat covers and everything. And wow. I got tired, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I got tired of doing that for a while, so I decided to move on, so 
They needed a custodian over at J.C. Penney's over on Central Avenue. J.C. Penney's. Yeah. And I went to work there as a custodian. Then as I worked there for a while, I become the stock manager, handled the merchandise put in the store and got it up on the floor and everything. Guess where we got all our and clothes. Then, <laughs> I love J.C. Penney's. I'm not yeah. even going to lie. And yeah. they had tools. I was a Miss Fix-It, so yes. I was um, them and Sears. They... They were my friends growing yes. up. And I worked there until 52, and they drafted me in the Korean War. Yeah. And uh, I just got married to my wife, uh, Hilda Jackson. And uh, I just ha- had time with her only three weeks. That wasn't enough time to get nothing done. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, how did you meet Hilda? I met Hilda through her cousin. I went with her cousin before I met her, her first cousin. Her, her cousin's mother was sister to her her mother. So uh, that's how I met her. And I got my girl, former girl, uh, she just got to, she'd go to Minnesota and come back. And she I noticed something wrong with her because she had somebody else up there she was messing with. Oh. And so it just didn't didn't work out. So I just we just broke it off, and I was over to the house there where she lived in Liberty, and her mother, Hilda's mother, come through there, and she said, "Gene, if you ain't doing anything, come up and see see me in Richmond." I said, "I got some daughters." I says, "Well." I- <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take Scandalous. you up on it. I'm going to take you up on it. So you'll always see me just any time. <laughs> <laughs> so they thought Eugene was a hot yeah. commodity. Uh, her cousin's mom, she was crazy. But I said, Gene, I don't care what happened between you and you. my daughter. You'll always be my boy. Uh, you got to get. You got to be in good with the parents. If you ain't, you ain't. You gonna get nowhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's so good. Now I have to ask you to go back here a little bit. All right. You were recapping tires for army vehicles. Uh, the, my brothers and I helped them do it. The two brothers worked down there doing that. They recap them. They just put the rubber around the the bare tire after they grind the old rubber off. And then they take and put that rubber around there, and then they put it in a vulcanizer, and that vulcanizes the tread in the rubber through, through the rubber. Yeah. Now I want to know how many army vehicles and why they were here. Like that's something that I don't know about. Yeah. This particular see, area. See, back in them days in the forties and the fifties, they were re- using recaps. You know, recap tires on things before they started getting away from that crap. Uh, but uh, but uh, that's what they done back here in the forties and the early fifties. Yeah. So how did we end up with so many military vehicles in Indiana? Did that have anything mm-hmm. to do with Atterbury uh, or Crane? They shipped the tires out. Okay. Out of Indiana after they recapped them. Yeah. Okay. They, they shipped them out to some wherever they need them at. Yeah. But, Was uh, it because of Atterbury? Huh? Did you send anything to Atterbury? 
No, I don't know where they went to. All we done was recap the tars. Yeah. I just, I mean, I don't know of any other place that is redoing military vehicles. And so it just kind of struck me for the times. So it just kind of really brings you back to the 40s and 50s of what they were doing and how they were managing material in the U.S. This was at a car dealership, Oldsmobile and Buick. Okay. Down there where Hardy's is at, and uh, and that's that's what that's what they were doing on the side over there while they were repairing, uh, working on vehicles. There, and I went after new cars and stuff. And uh, that's it. Just just jack of all trades. Just done everything that they need me to do. And uh, and I did not help my brothers in the part in part time. And. Uh, then I, like I said, I'd done it for a while, and I just got tired. I wanted to move on, yeah. try try something else. So I went to J.C. Penney's. He hired me right now, and you know, I I was I could work. He couldn't couldn't get over how I I do my job. I uh, when I took over the the what's his name down there, the guy that run it down there, he wasn't coming back in time at noon hour. So uh, the manager come down there and said, Gene. The job's yours. Now, don't tell me you can't do it because I've been watching you. I said, oh, you have? <laughs> All right. If you say so, this job's yours. I'm firing that guy. He, ain't, he just ain't coming back like he should. I said, okay. All right. On the way I go. And uh, it was just a job was so big. It Actually, you was doing three man's work. And uh, so when I went to the service and come back, I got my old job back. I said, all right, buddy. I'm back. I says, okay, you got to come up with some money (laughs) 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 because uh, I ain't going to work for that stuff I worked for back in. I says, it's time for to get a raise. It says, you had a wife to take care of too. Uh, Yeah, and I had a wife, and I'm going to start to start a a family. And uh, so he said, well, I don't know what my budget allowed. I said, well, you better get on your budget, because <laughs> if you don't give me a raise, I'm on. I'm out of here, the greener pastures. I'm going to find me something. My, and a matter of fact, my brother says, if I want more, not want to work, come over to Cassock Company. We, can, we need you. We'll put you to work. And I said, you'll always see me Monday. I said, I'm giving you one week. You hear me? <laughs> If you don't talk before then, it's all over. Oh, you can't leave me. I said, what do you mean? You don't own me. <laughs> I said, what? She said, yeah, well, I can't leave. You can't leave me. I ain't got nobody to do what you do. Oh, I said, all right, then lay some money down. <laughs> lay some money down. And he said, I can't. My budget won't lie. I said, goodbye. So I left and went to the Connerville Casket Company. I worked over there for 11 and a half years of putting the interior in the casket, in the lid of the casket. Yeah, and that was a job. I liked doing that, and we turned out some of the finest caskets in this area. Yeah. And A they, beautiful they, place to rest? Yeah. A beautiful place to rest? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'd play tricks on one another. We'd get in the casket, <laughs> lay in the casket, and the guy come up there and raise the lid up, and he'd jump straight up in him. He just he, about killed himself. <laughs> Now that is my dad. He yes. used to scare us when we were kids. Oh, so I'm a big prankster and I scare people in my family. Oh, I also Lord. will like 
start a prank and I will go months. Yeah. I, I mean, months and months and months. So kindred spirits here. And yeah. <laughs> for sure. Oh, Lord, I was, a, I was the man of the town. Oh, yeah. Of the, of the neighborhood. Hell, he would scare us kids and the I'd kids of the neighborhood. We could say, be home by a certain time. And we would when the street light came on, oh, you know you had to be home. So we were bebopping home. And there was always a big bush by our house that we lived in. And he jumped out oh and scared us. I, I just come from seeing the wolf man down to the show. <laughs> and that sucker, he was mean. <laughs> and uh, But I, I, I really had the kids uh, uh, really enjoying their lives as kids. We grew up as kids. We done things. We made things happen. We didn't know why he had to do nothing. had to tell us what to do. And as long as we get home in time, Lord, we played army, we done everything, and Tarzan swung through trees in the <laughs> woods, and and, uh, and when the fair come to town, we'd help the fair and the carnival over at Eleventh Street. We'd we'd help them set up, and they give us a free ticket to ride and do anything in the carnival or the fair. And uh, we had a maid, and then down there to fair, they'd bring those hell drive hell drivers in there. <laughs> hell drivers, you know what the hell drivers? No. Are? That's <laughs> where they take and wreck and crash head on cars head on and stuff, and turn them over and run them over ramps and go through fire. Yeah, I'd go for home. fun. Uh, yes, this, this that was, was fun. Sport. I'd go okay. home and I said, "I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I, I can do that." <laughs> So, you said I can do that. Yeah. Like here, I am thinking. This is, <laughs> so I the things got, we're avoiding, I, but I no, got them little we're going metal, out. metal, little cars they pump back in. I got about three or four of them, and I built a long trailer, and I put them on there, and I put my names on the side of them. Days hell drivers. Yeah. And and I go up the street there, and I announce <laughs> I'm going to have a hell drivers. Everybody, come on up here. He's gonna get a thrill you'll never forget. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Well, I was, I it's was, like I the was running, <laughs> and they all come running up there, and, and I get your money over there. They paid a little nickel or something, <laughs> and I, I set up the thing there, and I had some little kids that I wanted them to be drivers in the little car. <laughs> Because I'm going to push him and I'm going to make the noise and uh, run him over the ramps. I says, now, you, you ain't going to get hurt. I said, when it rolls over, you just jump up and say, hey, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they do that. They do that. And then, boy, them people, the kids would just holler, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah! No, do I you said, remember this? I do. Yeah, I said, here <laughs> come, here come. When I saw the little rascals movie, I was like, oh my god, that's my job. <laughs> I said, here comes the finale. Now he's going to jump through the fire of hell, and they said, oh boy, this is going to be scary. <laughs> hell, I set that fire around that oh. rim there, over that ramp, and I told <laughs> out to this guy, I said, don't be scared. Every going to be all right. I'm going to get you through there fast. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> I'm going to get you through there fast. <laughs> Boy, I got wind her up. Here we go. Uh, running through there and pushing through that far. They come far and be all in and all over him. And I just brush yourself off. Let's get <laughs> Now, throw your hands up and tell them you're all right. <laughs> Yeah, that was throw your up. hands up. <laughs> you wave them around like you just don't care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. 
But when we played Army up on top of the hill back in the Elmhurst in the woods, uh, I was always back at, at the nurse's quarters in the back. <laughs> Everybody wanted to work. Gina, he back there with them women and the nurse, nurses. <laughs> they got so they wouldn't go play no more because I didn't play fair. <laughs> I won out in the battlefield. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Lord have mercy. Be tended. Yeah. Oh, them oh, was the days. Lord have mercy. Now, did you do this with your siblings or just with your children? Oh, just every kid in the neighborhood. And, yeah, and every and kid I, in the neighborhood. And, okay. And, and uh, yeah, but the thing that I, that I didn't like it was uh, I was always in somebody else's yard, and I was doing something I ain't got no business. I get a whipping. <laughs> From, from from the mother of the house send me home and I'll be raising hell back when I was going home and I got home and the daddy come home I got another one <laughs> Lord may burn my behind up something terrible I tell you the truth but I was a tough guy I took it I didn't worry about it she, yeah <laughs> but that's what it was all about but you, uh, you remember, what, remember the kids hmm? used to, they used to call his mole, he called it the panic button. Yeah. Because that was my, his signature. People would know who he was from his it, mole. Yeah, that was my identity when I went in the, in the service. He said, anybody got any uh, identified, any identified marks. marks on you or anything? I said, mole in the middle of that. That I do. And <laughs> 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 so... Uh, but uh, no, uh, I was trying to say what I was going to say. Lord have mercy. I got, there's so many things I got in this head. Uh, what so, was it? So, oh, go uh, ahead. Uh, what the hell was he going to do? Oh, dang it. I can't figure out Lost what it was. It. Do you remember? Were, did you volunteer or did you? were you drafted? I was drafted. That's oh. when the draft ended in, during the Korean campaign. The draft ended. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I was just married three three weeks with my wife, and the Lord have mercy, I I didn't want to go, but it's too late. Mom called them, said you got a letter from the from the government. You better get up here and open it. I said, oh, open that letter. Heck, I don't know. It ain't nothing but it scare me. It just scare me. And she said, I am not going to open it. It's addressed, to, it's addressed to you. So, all right, I'll be home. I just took off my job. <laughs> Went up there and opened that letter up. And I said, oh, I just fell out. I said, Mom, I got to go. Where, son? I got to go to the service. I'm drafted. I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, I just got married. Jesus. My baby, I'm gone. Two years. Goodbye. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Two years, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was it. And uh, Now, how old were you then? I was about about 17, something like that, because when I left, I was, I was around about 19. And I turned 20 or 21 over in Korea. Yeah. And uh, Lord have mercy. That was an experience I'll never forget. Yeah. When, hmm? when you were drafted, how many of your siblings, how many of your brothers had already been in the service? Yeah. When the World War II broke out over in Germany in the war, they had, had uh, my brothers were just in high school and they'd come out. They, they needed men right away, so they just took and 
quit school and joined up and went on in the service. And uh, one went in the Europe theater and the other one went in the Japanese area, the Pacific. And, uh, and then I went to Korea. And then my other brother went to Germany on the Rhine River driving a jeep with his for general. I was in the heavy artillery in Korea called, called the Big Eights. It fired a 200-pound shell about 12 miles after. And it was a heavy, a heavy gun. You had to watch it. You could hurt yourself on it. It take two men to do just about every operation on it except the telephone man and them guys that call it information in. But, uh, hey, yeah. how did you get to Korea, Dad? Huh? Tell her the story oh, of how you got to yeah, Korea. Oh, yeah, Lord. I took my training down camp at Chaffee, Arkansas, 16 weeks down there, art, uh, artillery training. You do, do eight weeks of infantry and the other eight weeks of, of just uh, artillery, whatever you're going to be on, or maybe overseas. You don't know what you're going to do when you get over there in Korea. But, uh, yeah. I spent the 16 weeks down there, and I just, when it was all over with, you come home for 10 days, and that's all you had with your wife or family, and you got to go right back to uh, Cincinnati, pick up a troop train to Kansas City, Missouri, and get on a troop train there and go all the way across to Fort Lewis, Washington, across the country. Yeah, that was an experience ride, and... uh and we got up there, they just checked our records, shot records and everything. And then in about two weeks, you were on your way. They had the buses out there waiting for you to take you down to Seattle, Washington, and down to the pier. Put you on that ship, and you're heading to Sasebo, Japan. It took 21 days on the ocean. <laughs> we crossed, crossed the national date line at the, out there, and then you went on in uh, Sasebo, Japan, and it was raining when we got there, and we had to zero in an M1 rifle in the rain. It just raining all the time we was there. Did you get sick on your trip? Uh, Did you get sick on the trip? No, I didn't get sick. Them guys got sick, and I, they put me on a cleanup deal. I said, Lord, have mercy me. Oh, I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. Somebody had to clean up their mess, I tell you. But them guys, if, like if you're eating in the mess hall, this guy would be sick up here in that ship when they're taking dip. His plate comes years go down to the next guy. His will come down in front of you. And you just had to stare that mess down. Lord uh, have mercy. <laughs> you said, you told me a story about when you got there, the, the tip, the ship. Oh, yeah, when they docked the ship at the dock, all of a sudden the ship started tipping toward the dock. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what was going on. I run up on the, on the deck, and I said, what the heck's going on? What's the ship doing this tilting? I said, look at all them guys over. I said, there must be some women over there. <laughs> and then, so I ran over there, and sure enough, there was them Japanese women strutting on the, up and down along the dock. And I said, that's what it's all about. My God, you guys, them guys are horny. They were crazy. <laughs> yeah, they had to get <laughs> <laughs> been 21 days out on the sea hell you you about to go crazy <laughs> uh, and they were young men yes, you know? yes young yeah, men yeah 
That was something else, I tell you, that was a trip. Then we go through that gate when we got off the ship. We go through this gate on these here buses out to the depot. It had a sign up that says, Pass through these gates some of the damn best fighting men in the world. Yeah. Mm. And uh, that's why it had that slogan up there. And as we were going through there, they were doing some construction work on buildings. And guess who does the work? The women. The men just be the bosses, and the women, and women were strong and built strong in their legs, and they running with them hods on their shoulders and dumping that coal in them cement mixers, and that it was something to see, and that was nothing. When we got out to the base, the young girls were doing it out there, and them guys were just staring at them and looking. <laughs> they couldn't believe their eyes. I said, "That's all right. You better be lucky. Your women don't have to do this back home. Lord have mercy. If they had to do all this, my goodness gracious, they would run for the hills. Lord have mercy. Yeah, it was something to see. But there's a lot of things that went on. Yeah. How did you know where you were going? When well, you got we there? we knew we was going to Incheon, Korea. Yeah. But where were you going once you? Once you got you there. Oh, we, we didn't know. We just put you in a depot. We were riding the old train, had wooden seats in it, riding down through there, and all of a sudden it stopped, and we had to go down under the ground up inside of this depot. And the trucks would come in and pick each one of us up to go to wherever we was assigned to go to. Some of them went to the mortar outfits, some went to infantry, some went to this attack uh, tank outfit and and the artillery and uh I was back there with the guys and they all done left and I was the last one in the tent sitting back here and a guy come back to see where everybody gone. He said, What are you doing back here today? <laughs> I said, Ain't nobody come after me <laughs> And so uh, he said, Well I'll see about it and by the time he got back to the the, the building there, the, here come a big truck in the building there, a big five-ton truck. He said, I think that's your ride. And I said, yep, come on, this is your ride. I know, the guy put me in back of that dang five-ton truck, put that cover down over the back, said, now don't raise it up, don't smoke back here or nothing, because the time we get up in that demilitarized zone up in there, and this thing's all, there's a lot of enemy up around in them areas, them hills up there, be careful, do not give them no target. I said, don't you worry, I ain't going to give them no target, just get me there. And so it took me all, it took us all night driving, and that five-ton truck was so rough it just shook me to death back there yeah i was the only one in there yeah and they you got were the in, only one in the back of the in truck in the back of the truck and when he got up there in the morning come up there here was coming up that road and that's about four big tubes biggest things sticking out of pits you ever seen i said lord i hope we ain't going there sure enough he slowed down and turned it <laughs> turned in there and i said oh hell here we go mm. so I, I got put in a big artillery outfit i took training on a one little 105 hauser down camp chapping and this here was a big gun lord have mercy so that was it so there was a guy you had told me he was getting ready to rotate out oh yeah i was talking there was mostly black fellas in the outfit with me there and uh and i couldn't understand why they never had no rank on their sleeves and the guy said you're gonna find out i said what do you mean i'm gonna find out he said you ain't gonna get nothing either i said what don't tell me some racism going on over here 
He said, yeah, 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 they don't like us. What else do you think they do? And then we just ain't getting what we should get. And I said, oh, Lord. I said, I ain't going to put up with this stuff. I said, I don't care what you guys done. I ain't going to put up with so a fella, white fella come over with me. He was sitting on his on his, on his his bunk one day, uh, sewing on his PFC stripe he made right away. I asked him, I said, where did you get that at? He says, the sergeant said, I made PFC. I said, well, hell, you ain't done no more than me over here. I said, how's come I didn't get one? He said, well, I don't know. I said, well, I sure in the hell going to find out. And so I went over and got the captain and told him, he stopped him. I said, Captain, I said, what's going on here? I said, my friend got a got promoted to PFC, and I didn't get nothing. What What's going on? And I said, he just turned red in the face. And he could not give me an answer. I said, oh, I put two and two together. I said, oh, that's what it's all about, huh? I said, well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not going to put up this crap over here. I said, I'm going to get something before I leave out of this hellhole. I said, now, I don't know what your problem is or what your charging or your lieutenant is. I says, I am not going to put up with it. I'm going to get what I deserve working over here in this battlefield. I said, now, you think about that. I said, this is a bull crap. I said, I come from over, over, over in America, come over here to this crap. After I put up with this shit over at home, I said, no way, no way. And boy, and that was it. He couldn't say nothing. He just just stood there and stunned. And I said, all right, just think about it. Well, let's yeah. go back a little bit. Remember yeah. you told me a story about right before you left and you were going to celebrate. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was... I'd done seen the show at the base down at Camp Chaffee, Arkansas, and I wanted to go in town at Fort Smith. It was just a little ways down the road. And uh, I went down there to go to the movie. I walked up there to, walked up there to, the, to get my ticket. A lady said, I'm sorry, but I can't sell no black people tickets. And I said, what did you say? You did not say that to me, did you? She says, yeah, I'm sorry. I said, listen, you see what I got on my body? I got this suit on here. I'm going to fight for you to save you, keep your ass free. And I might not get back. And I said, you cannot let me in this damn show when you sold to the public. I said, lady, you better think seriously about what you're doing. She said, I can't help it. So she started crying. I said, ain't no use of crying. You done done the damage. Goodbye. So long. Never see you again. And so I just went on back to the camp. Just teed off. Yeah, so... Uh, it was all about that deal. Yeah. yeah. Was there any other racism that oh, you saw over there? Oh, the, yeah. When they we were... almost had a riot in our outfit over there. Got the guys all worked up, and they tell you the truth, they had a hell of a time. And what really was really teed it off, if you'd fight one of them Koreans over there, beat his ass, they'd take, him, take you down to the CP and put you under guard and court-martial you. They would not do nothing to the Koreans over there. What they, did the Koreans do? They'd go, so well, they'd call you names. What? Call you that N-word, call you anything they wanted to call you, and think they could get away with it. They got their ass tore up a lot of times. So uh, that's what was about that. And the thing that was made you mad... When they come to get the person to take him down to the CP, the sergeants would take and whip him, jump him. When they're going down between the tents there to get halfway down there, they'd take and jump him, start beating on him. 
I said, you guys, we're gonna not, not going to let this happen. I said, they coming after Dowdy. said, we're going to sit out centuries up down through here, and everybody's going to keep their eye out. When they take a come to get him, we just, just let us know. Give us a signal. And sure enough, when he got halfway down and put in the tent there, they jumped him and started beating on him and everything, two two sergeants. And I said, guy hollered, they, they on it. And everybody fell out of the tents on there and come down there and grabbed them sergeants up and said, what do you want to do with them? I said, any damn thing you want to do with them. I said, this son of a ain't right. Over uh, here beating on him, my guy taking him down to the CP. And they, yeah, and they, they, they got real scared, them sergeant. And the captain heard that something was going on. Somebody run down there and told him he running up there to try to stop and stop us from doing something we had no business to do. And I said, you better be damn lucky you come on the scene. I said, we ain't going to put up with this crap no more. Yeah, so that was it. How did out. they solve the problem that they eventually... Huh? What did they do? Did oh, they, they court-martialed him, that boy, for beating that Korean up, yeah. And so uh, that was it. What was And the, then, huh? What was the difference between the racism that you experienced in rural Indiana, so in Connersville, where you were raised, and in school versus... Oh, yeah. The- it's... There's it's, 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 it's different. You're dealing with more adults over in the service and things, more grown-up people. But in school, you're, you're dealing with young people like you, kids. We fought going to school. We fought going back home. That's just what it was all about. They just call us the N-word all the time. And anything, they come out of their mouth, and we had to fight to prove our or well-being uh, that we could take care of ourselves and lord have mercy boy i'll tell you them some days but after it's all over with they become they become friends with us you Mm -hmm. know we all we turn around and become best friends yeah after it was all over with but you had to fight you had to show them that you wasn't going to take all this crap yeah that's what it was all about so when you were over there uh-huh. Uh, did you ever get your stripes? Yeah, I, I made corporal, but uh, I could have made sergeant because the guy was going to rotate home, was ahead of the ammo all, and all four guns, and he wanted me to take a job over. And I took it over, but I did not have enough time and to, to make me get my sergeant stripes. So that's one teed off time I was again so I just said to hell with it and I'd get to home back home and forget about this mess you told me the yeah. story about the colonel and he came and was wondering oh why, yeah why he come over and had everybody to fall out in formation he run up and down the ranks and seeing what everybody had on their sleeve and he turned back at the captain and says why ain't those men got anything on their sleeves captain captain couldn't answer him he just turned red again he couldn't answer him and he said, oh, that's what's going on over here. He said, all right, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to be back here in a week. I bet I better see something on those men's sleeve. Hell, them guys were sewing on ranks on their sleeves there all week long, sitting on their beds. I said, Lord, have mercy. Yeah. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. when after you fought for a while, did you have R&R over there? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. They send you on R&R to Japan, certain places Japan. I went to Kobe, Japan, for seven days. 
R&R, that's rest and relaxation, you know, they call it. <laughs> you don't get no damn rest. <laughs> There's no you rest. you went to a PX over there, uh, and what oh, happened? Oh, they got the PX over there. That's where you better go, because everything in there is checked, and, and make sure there's no VD. Oh, boy. No, no, What's that, no, prevalent? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, if you get a girl off the street, they all look the same, and they all got the Vidoki. Yeah. <laughs> I have to laugh at it. Go cut it out. But it's it's dangerous. A couple of those guys got that stuff and they sent them right back to Korea. It it was over. So you say you bought a package once? Huh? You bought a package and you came out of the PX and what happened? Oh, yeah. Well, they had a PX downtown Seoul. That's the capital of Korea, Seoul. And I had a PX down there. I got a pass on the weekend to go down to Seoul. So I got down there. I went in the PX and bought me something. When I come out, they got these here mama-sons, they call them. They hang around outside the PX, and they, if you ain't careful, they'll snatch your package out of your arm and take off with it. Now, if you want it, the MP will go get it for you. That's what the one would done to me. me. I was standing there looking around for something, and all of a sudden somebody snatched something out. I looked back, and here's old mama son just chucking away with my package. I said, hey, God damn it, there goes, there goes my, hey, the MP said, you want that package? I said, I'll go get it first. Oh, no, just let her have it. She needs it more than I do. She said, yeah, shit. It's something else, I'll tell you. So mm-hmm. when you were in uh, b- combat, where were you? Where were you? Well, you we were lo- we were located up above the DMZ, up around uh, 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 Fort Chop Hill. They called it up around there. We was in a valley. There was about four or five different units of artilleries parked down in there, and we had the job of softening up the, the hill up there where the Chinese were taking it, and the Americans would take it the next day, and then the Chinese would come and take it back again. They were just fighting back and forth on that hill up there. And there was just a lot of men getting killed and wounded. And that's all it was until they, they were about ready to sign the armistice. And then, uh, but uh, they had to call one gun to go up there because the Chinese was up there ready to tear the Americans up when they come up that hill the next morning. And they needed somebody to soften that hill up. So they pulled out one gun, our gun, the persuader. They pulled us the out and, t- and took and took us up through the mountain, the hill up into there until we found a low place where we could set that big gun up. You got to realize that big gun weighed 17 ton, and the tracker pulled it weighed 18 ton. Yeah, and there was a lot of heavy equipment there, and uh, we had to find a place to set it in, and we finally found a like a a, a a a field there where they played uh, baseball in and went to get currents. Captain just said, put her in there. And that track driver we had, he could put that gun in anywhere. He's something there, boy. He'd swing that baby around in there and set her around and then drop it. And we had to take and open the rails and dig them in the ground and put what you call dead men uh, logs in under there and the spades under the, the middle part and then the crank her down with big ratchet wrenches crank it down on her where she's sitting down solid and level it was something else yeah you said how job. many how many uh did you guys set oh off? yeah 
Oh, we when they give us the first fire mission, it was six o'clock in the evening, and we started firing, and we fired all night, all day, and on all night, and the next day until afternoon, and we figured it out. We fired two hundred rounds to one tube, and it, the tube got warped. We had to take it down to ordnance and get another tube put on. That's how much we fired that gun. It was so hot. It was dangerous to stick to powder up in there. Yeah, that's what I yeah. was just wondering. Yeah, like, it was dangerous. I mean, we had to pour water down, get one guy on the end of it and crank it way up in there and then pour water down there, let it cool off that tube Yeah, before we fired again. It was dangerous, yeah. But it was something else, I'll tell you, Jude. Well, did they ever? What happened when they did the ceasefire? Huh? Oh yeah, the captain come down, told everybody, get in your bunk, write a letter home to your loved ones. Whatever you do, do not nobody fire a gun at all. They get ready to sign the armistice, and so we was all laid back, taking and chilling it, taking it easy, writing letters, and all of a sudden, ta 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 ta. That dang, some guy, kid took his gun, went up in the hills, and just started blasting away. The captain come running down there, stop that man, stop that man. We go start another war over. Stop that man. And the guys ran up there and got his hind in. And they, I guess they burned him over that, doing that. Or, or that's, that's just what happens. People, guys just take us time and at the time they did do something they ain't got no dang business that's what it was all about so when it was yeah. all over and you, uh, and you came home was there a yeah. celebration no we come home we didn't get no hurrah no nothing just come from we come in oakland california from from uh from what's the name uh where was that there place over? I went in Inchon. We come out of Inchon and come all the way 21 days to Oakland, California. They take you in a warehouse there and, and said, all right, it's going to be short arm inspection. You know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> short arm inspection. They drop in pants and they won't see you. Why don't you jack that thing back and see if you got anything dripping? You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, because a lot of them guys come home, they had oh. brought that disease all the way back from overseas. What was that abbreviation, the VD abbreviation <laughs> that you used? Uh, uh, what was that? What'd you call it was it a again? Korean abbreviation, uh, uh, I believe. Vidoki. 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 Yeah. And, uh, but the, the guy said, well, I'll pat you on the back. I want you to get over here. And, and, and you guys get over here. Yeah. And they said, why? says, if you got something I think you might have, you ain't going home. You're going to stay here until you're cured. And I said, oh, my God, Lord have mercy. He was patting every other one on the shoulder. <laughs> I said, Lord, what they do, they'd have the, med the medics over in Korea. They'd have them give them a shot of penicillin when they're on their way to come home to hold them back. From that gondorrhea, they call it gondorrhea. <laughs> Hold them from getting that gondorrhea dripping down oh, on them when oh, they come back home. Oh boy! And when they just, but as soon as they hit the states, they start dripping. It was too late. Oh. Yeah, so they kept them home. They kept them back there so, and sent them home. So once you got back, yeah. um, you said you went back to J.C. Penney, and then after J.C. Penney, what did you do? Well, I went to Connerville Casket Company, and then started. Trimming caskets over there, yeah. And then after that? I worked there 11 and a half years, and then I 
It guy, the man, Ray Lamson, sold the plant to an oil company for a tax write-off. And then uh, we, uh, I went to over to D&M. They were makes dishwashers. They were uh, hiring people, and I went over and got a job there. And went to work there, and I worked there 27 and a half years. Who did they make dishwashers for? For everybody, Sears and Roebuck and uh, all of them, and uh, Safi and Gadler out on the West Coast and all up to Chicago and everywhere. We made the, one of the best dishwashers around, Kenmore. You heard of Kenmore. Yeah. I still have my Kenmore you appliances still got it? from uh, 1968. Have you? I do. Um, you. Not because I'm super yeah. proud of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but because we moved into this house and all of the appliances were still working. So yeah. I was of the mindset <sighs> it's to... It's not broken. It, well, and when I say me, I mean my partner. <laughs> <laughs> And he was just like, we'll keep this until it doesn't work anymore. Well, I finally broke down and bought a new refrigerator, though my original is out in my garage. And then I really wanted a new stove just because I thought I wanted to be fancy. (laughs) I I hear you. And so I definitely uh, took advantage, and I still have, like, my Kenmore... um, I'll send you a picture. It's pretty funny. That's awesome. Like the fan and, that and parts. Awesome. Yes, 1968. Yeah. I, I, keep, I kept all the parts and stuff off of my dishwasher and stuff. And I repaired my dishwasher because I worked over and I knew how everything went on. I don't have and a dishwasher, I, so yeah. I couldn't talk about that. Yeah. So when he retired, when you retired, though, um, you helped all the ladies I in reti- the community. Yeah, one of during winter time, we had blizzards and stuff like that. The old ladies get, can't get down to the stores and get groceries and stuff. What I do get my sled and go around the neighborhood and taking a, taking the actual ladies that need something. So, oh yes, I said, bless you, boy, bless you. I need this, I need that. I take my sled. I have about four or five orders to get down to the store, and the roads of snow was so deep. And I was struck and struggling down through the middle of the road to pull my sled, and I get their groceries right home. And got everybody say, "Look at old Gene, boy, he's doing his thing, ain't he?" Yeah. And then, um, you you have you ever been sick? Uh, oh well, what I just get the flu mostly and tonsillitis. I went to the doctor and told him about this tonsillitis. He said, "I'm gonna take care of that. You ain't gonna have it no more." I said, what? Mm-hmm. And so he put me in the chair, and he said, well, I'm going to take this automizer, and I'm going to squirt this in your tonsils, on your tonsils, this penicillin on your tonsils, and then you find out you won't have it no more. I ain't had no tonsillitis since, since then, and I got, still got my tonsils. Have you ever had any major uh, uh, illnesses? Oh, yeah, Lord have mercy. First one, when I come back from, from the war, well, I started working. I retired from from D&M in 93. I had 27 and a half years over there of duty. And then uh, I went to get a colonostomy. And it just so happened I had bad luck. The man that performed the colonoscopy, the doctor, he blew a hole in me. 
in my colon. Yeah. And I like to die. He didn't tell me. I went home, got up the next day, fell in the floor, and I just seen nothing but a bright light. I said, y'all, I'm dying. You better get me out of here. And they rushed me back out there, and they found out I had a whole many touch. They rushed me over to the hospital. And the guy over with him, who the doctor had done the procedure, he, he took me in there and he sealed up that hole. I guess he'd done a good job, but it didn't, it didn't do a good job of sewing me back up because when I was back in the bed, I had my hands on my stomach. I was sitting there, and my wife was talking to the nurse, and all of a sudden someone went, and my stomach blew open, and my oh, in, my, my intestines goodness. were coming out. My intestines were coming out of my stomach, and they had to rush me back in surgery again. I said, "Oh Lord, they're trying to kill me." Uh, so, uh, so then, you you huh? made it through that. I made it through that. Had four operations on that deal, and then I turned right around. I got the pancreatitis. Mm-hmm. That's the bad boy. Yeah. Oh, oh boy, I got a bad pain in my stomach, unusual. I called my, my daughter. I said, what's the matter with me? I said, I got a bad pain in my stomach. I don't know what's going on. And she said, well, we better get you down to the emergency room right away. They took me down there and checked me. I said, oh, yeah. I said, you better get him up to St. Vincent in Annapolis right away or he ain't going to make it. And so they rushed me to St. Vincent up there, Lord, have mercy. First, they had to take out two tumors or something around the pancreas. And then I didn't know that until the girls told me that that's what they'd done first. And I said, Lord, have mercy, what's going on, man? I said, I, I, I thought I was a tough old guy, but that baby there took me down all the way. I cried like a man. Like a man had been whipped to death. Lord have mercy. It was the worst thing I ever had, feeling I ever had. And I made it through, and then they started bringing me back. And I, I, I actually, I fought it for five months. The last tube he took out of me, five months. They have what they call fissures that form in your body. That's holes that come in there. I had one by my colon and one over by the... What's the name of Pamkus? And uh, this and down here was draining more. And then it says up here, but as soon as they removed my gallbladder, when they moved my gallbladder, they had to take a hernia out beside my navel to order to pull the gallbladder through. And you uh, went through all of that. Yeah. And uh, And you made it through. I made it through. And then you were able to be able to go on the honor flight. Yeah, I was... I was trying to get myself back in gear because they was having an honor flight, and I wanted to go on. So this was all why you, like the honor flight information and people reached out to you while yeah. you were recovering. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so I was, well, I was looking, I wanted him to go because I'd heard about the honors flight, and I didn't know they were doing it in Indiana. And so he gave me a paper because I was coming to take care of them for the weekend, my mom and dad. And the man from the funeral home here, he had a paper where they were showing what it was and that you could sign up to go. And he wasn't going to go, and I made him go. And he ended up, we put him on the list, and he got to go. So it was great. It was a wonderful trip. I met a lot of good friends. Really enjoyed myself. Lord have mercy. (laughs) 
the guy drives the bus when we got in Washington, D.C. Well, actually, we was on the Virginia side. The Potomac divides Washington from Virginia. Yep. Am I right? Yeah. All right. And uh, the guy drives the bus to take us over to Washington and cross over the bridge. Hang on and, for two uh, seconds. I'm going to yeah. have to stop real quick. Okay, there you go. Your your um, cord was There hitting. you go. There oh, you go. okay. But anyhow... Every time we get on a bus, bus driver would be standing there and helping us up in the bus. He says, here comes old Jeannie Jean, the dancing machine. I said, <laughs> <laughs> and I said man, you got to quit it. <laughs> and I'd do a little dance for him. <laughs> I told you. you what, was, what was your favorite thing? Uh, what was your favorite thing on that trip? Well, I want to see the Korean monument. They said that was a nice monument they've had. They had them men staggered in a rice paddy with their ponchos on and their, hand, and their guns in their hand and their helmets, and they were all staggered walking through the rice paddy. And I said, boy, that, that's a ticket. And, uh, and I couldn't enjoy it for people coming up and saying, can I take a picture with your daddy? Uh, so I everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, cause see, there was all people from all over across the seas were in there visiting Washington after monuments and everything, and the Chinese and the Koreans and all of them. Everybody said, "I want to take a picture with your daddy." Yeah, so before, would you let him do it? I said, oh my God! Before the trip, they had a a going away ceremony for him for the to go on the trip. Yeah, and it was at a, a church school here in Connorsville. Oh, yeah. And uh, at that event. Everybody what? was lined up around in the <laughs> parking lot. And I said, oh, what is all this? Lord, and they said, here he is. What did you get so, at that uh, so, event? Huh? Well, uh, what it is, the uh, talk, we had went inside and all had a talk. And, uh, and uh, then when I come back from the, they wanted me to come back to the school and talk to the kids after I made the trip and let them know what it was all about. So I come back to school. I, I, before I come back, I bought all of them pizza. Oh, and, and my wow. brother, my son from Arizona, sent a big box of treats in from Arizona to help them. And Lord have mercy, they just hey, had a ball. And one little kid said, hey, Mr. Day, I was showing them pictures of things up there on the trip to honor flight. And he said, my name's Eugene, too. <laughs> I said, well, I'm glad to meet you, Eugene. I said, just, just think of it now. That's a well-known name. <laughs> said, Boy, you, you, you into it now. You just think of it. You all right. And the Lord, and, and then after it's all over with, the elderly people, they want. I had that big picture there, and they they all wanted to take a picture with me <laughs> by this picture here. And then after they got done, here come the little kitties, little girls. Hey, Mr. Day, we we want to take a picture with you too, can we? I said, Yeah, jump in here. <laughs> and they had a ball. Yeah, Lord have mercy, but uh, they really enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and did say, you get, uh, did the mayor say anything? Oh, the mayor, yeah. The mayor gave a talk, and the funeral the man that owned the, run the funeral home, uh, uh, and he talked first about me. He says, I've I never seen a guy that can cut grass so fast. 
said, he said, I said, oh, my God, come on, man, give me a break. And then the mayor come up, got up, and he started his mess. Gordon got up there, and he, and he got talking and said, oh, Jeannie, he good old guy. I live around the corner from him. Says, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him a key to the city. I said, oh, my God. He said, but I'm going to tell him the key ain't going to do him no good because I done changed all the locks. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody just passed out. <laughs> yeah, that was something else. <laughs> And then yeah. did you did you go anywhere else? Uh, oh, they did a veterans at the Pacer game. You got to go to oh, that yeah. as well. <laughs> yes, Lordy, have mercy. The Pacers building was right next to a restaurant where we all going to eat at. And we ate there. And then we finally all lined up and had them all lined up. And we went in single file into the stadium. And people were all hollering, hey, thank you for your service. Yeah, and they just kept going. And we went up to the top floor in the, uh, the VIP part up there, sitting up there and then they, and with them. And you could see everything around the floor and all the monitors show you what's really going down because you can't see what's really happening on the floor. That always yeah. gets me. I think yeah. the VIP area is yeah. always so it high up. It ain't all that. It ain't I'm, all that. I can't see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it ain't all that. Well, that's and so they took us down on the floor at halftime. And they're going to march us out on the floor and, and and call out our name and tell us what rank we was in, what the outfit we was in, and introduce, introduce each one of us. And uh, the, the the girls, the Pasan girls, the girls are doing cheerleaders. The cheerleaders doing their thing. They wanted to take pictures with me, and I said, oh, hell, here I go. <laughs> <laughs> but then they started leading us out on the floor, you know, and everything. Everybody just yelling, carrying on, yelling, everything, announcing their name, who you was, and where you was from, and what outfit you was in, and that it all all turned out well. We all had a good time. Yeah. yeah. So, Gene, how many kids do you have? I have four. I have four four girls and adopted two boys. And well, lost one child to cancer, Hoskins. They found it in her when she was 12 years old, and she died. They told her they'd only keep her alive for five years. And I had to run her back and forth to Indianapolis twice a week getting treatments, and she died at 16 years old in 1973. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are your kids' names? No, no, my kids' name, my oldest daughter's name, uh, Regina. Uh, and they, uh, you know why I named her Regina? I was trying to get a, get a name for her, and I just happened to see a name on a Regina sweeper. <laughs> I said, Regina and Day, that sounds good. And I said, that's it, that's it. I said, Regina Ann. <laughs> she said, where, she, where did you get that name? I said, oh, for that sweeper. I said, hell, that's a good, that's a good name. Yeah, she, she, yeah, that fit her all right to a T. Then my next daughter was named Diane, Martha Diane Day, and uh, she was just nothing but a wildcat. 
Yeah, she get in you right now if you didn't watch it. Yeah, she's the best. She's a mean one, bad one. And <laughs> so didn't come wrong, Terry. She was another hellcat. <laughs> but uh, she was a good girl. It was all good. Her name was Terry. Uh, Terry. Uh, so what the hell is her middle Lynn. name? Huh? Lynn. Terry what? Is it Terry Lynn? I don't know. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. And then come along this girl over here, Carol Suzanne Day, the baby. All the rest of them weighed, the first two weighed eight pounds, 21 inches long, and eight pounds and what, uh, eight, eight pounds and eight, uh, eight ounces. Yeah. And 21 inches long. The first two, identical. And then the second one weighed, Terry weighed eight uh, something, eight to 11, I think, something like that. But then come along, Suzanne, she was the biggest. She weighed, <laughs> she, she weighed eight, eight to 11 and a half pounds. Yeah. Then yeah, you had your two boys. And the two boys got the first one named John. He had a head of curly hair. Went up to up to uh, Anderson and got him at a adoption area up there. And the woman bought him over. He was just a little scrapper, about 13 months old. And Lord have mercy. She said he was a man's boy now. I said, that's all right. That's what I want. And... Uh, he bought him in there, and his wife was just shocked. He looked just like my daughter when he <laughs> bought her. And said, that woman said, hey, Mr. Day, you sure you ain't been up here before? <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, I've been up here. I went with some girls up here a long time ago. I said, but I ain't got none of that up here. <laughs> Left none of that behind. <laughs> then you got one more. And then Mike. Yeah. Yeah, I went and got him up in Fort Wayne. He had a brother and a sister, and they were out at the at a what's the name home out in the country. And uh, I went to see him, and uh, and uh, he and uh, I bought bought them both home to stay with us. And uh, the lady said, "You we 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 want to adopt them both together if you could, but the one boy, Mike." He did not want to stay. No, that was Eddie. Eddie was his name. Mike was the other one, yeah. And so I said, well, I'll take the youngest one. So we got Mike, and he was about four or five years old. And he had a bad, nervous shaking about him, and he blinked all the time. And that's because when they was up there in that dirt, uh, what do you call them people foster take their home. foster home up in the country? It looked like the White House up there with the big old pillars and everything. And uh, they mistreated those kids up there. He said, he told me, set me down, told me, Daddy, I'll tell you. We come home from school in the wintertime. It was so cold. And they said, they always made us stay outside until they were ready for us to come in. They were, and said we almost freeze to death. We had to run in the barn getting the hay. I said, "Oh Lord, have mercy!" And uh, then they finally come after us. And uh, then and where I slept at was just in the in the covered room where they kept everything at. Just throw the bed in there and put me in there. And I said, what? I said, Lord have mercy. He says, it was all what you think it is when you're in them foster homes. They take and mistreat you. 
And so uh, that's what happened with him. And finally after I, I said, well, we're going to get you straightened out, son. Don't you worry about nothing. And we got to feed him, and he was just so nervous, and he was wanting to eat fast and everything. I said, hey, calm down, brother. You're going to get all you want to eat. Just take your time. Take your time. After about a week or so, he wasn't blinking no eyes no more. He wasn't shaking no more. And he come, he come to himself, and he was all right. And I said, that's what, that's what I want to see. Yeah, they all went through school, graduated, and got what the hell they want. John, he, he wanted, wanted to go to college, and so he went to college and got his master's degree at the Ball State and graduated up there, and then he couldn't get no job around here in Connersville, so he decided to go out in Arizona where his nephew, his cousins are at, and my sister was out there married to his, her um, uh my, uh, what's the name? He married my sister and I married his sister. Okay. Yeah. I, I have um, some family similar to that. So my grandfather uh -huh. married okay. a sister and his brother mm -hmm. married another sister. Yeah. yeah. That's something else. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So John, he went out to Arizona and he was so smart. He got every, any job he wanted to get, any job. And he got anything, and then finally he decided to go back, go to college again. So he went out to Arizona State and got a master's degree in criminal law. And uh, some guy out there was on the police force, seen him, and talked to him into joining the police department. And I said, oh, Lord. And uh, he wanted to be a lawyer. Him and this other guy was going to both be lawyers. One down home, he'd become a lawyer. And so uh, John said he'd try it out. So he went and joined the police department. And he went to camp. And he come back. He bought the trophy back from out there. He he was the only one in Arizona police department had had made it. Was a sharpshooter and everything. And bought the trophy back to to the police department in Arizona. And they were thrilled to death. Yeah. And he was hunting here this week. Is that yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He, so he just came here for a hunting. Yeah. Trip. And okay. he's thrilled to death. So he stayed there. He could have retired last August, but they can give him five years after their retirement date to stay on till five years more if they want to stay. So he put in for five years more until he decided on where he wanted to go. He likes San Diego. <laughs> You've been there? I have been there. I do yeah, like San Diego myself. He said myself. he loves it down there, San Diego, and he might go to Florida. I don't know. But wherever he goes, he, he'll, he'll make it. But, uh, yeah, he was just home, comes in every year to deer hunt. He learned he killed, that from my dad. He killed him 11-point buck again this year. Yeah. Gets it processed and takes it back. Yeah, he puts the meat in a cooler and puts it on that airplane, and it stays good until he gets back to Arizona. When we yeah. were little, my dad used to hunt, and he took me once, but I made too much noise. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I, I didn't get a gun. I took a squirrel. That was before he got the boys. I, I was the little time girl. I okay. took a squirrel hunting. I said, now you got to be quiet. <laughs> I said, these squirrels are moving, and they don't noise they hear. 
And I took her out. I showed her how you kill them squirrels. And I, I tell her, I said, you, you, you're going to kill, carry the squirrels while I kill. And she was up there holding them out like this, running through the woods, scared to death. I said, that thing, thing ain't going to hurt you. But we grew up on wild meat. Yeah, so. yeah I, did, I grew yeah. up in the country as well. Squirrel, and so rabbit. Yeah. But I, I raised all my kids on wild meat during the during the winter months yeah it was hard because we had when you have so many kids you had hunt to... squirrel in the winter time and, and rabbits and and groundhog not groundhogs yeah no no yeah. groundhogs yeah. oh come on well come on, come on. i wasn't come killing on. anything so <laughs> and now listen you don't want to eat the big boy you just kill him and throw him out somewhere <laughs> You get the chubs, the mother's chubs. She brings the little chubs out after out they've been in the hole for a while. That's the ones you want to kill, the young ones, and then you can fry them just like rabbit and squirrel. And I'll tell you, sometimes it tastes better than a rabbit and squirrel. That's how good a groundhog is. When our family now, I'm going to come- tell you, they bought all these coyotes in here now, and they're killing all the groundhogs. They dig them out of the holes, dig them out of their holes and kill them and eat them. And the farmer told me, you ain't hardly no groundhog around anymore. And so uh, that's what happened to that deal. But uh, you eat muskrat. I have not had muskrat to my knowledge. Yeah, most people don't want to eat it because of the name rat, muskrat. He's, he, he's a water animal underneath the banks, the creeks and everything. Now, a muskrat, uh, you wouldn't think you want to eat it, but I'm going to tell you what. I've ate it before. This preacher lived in Annapolis at a church down home, and he told me to get him some muskrat and some young coon. And said, I'm going to have you and the wife and the family come up Sunday, and we're going to have a big dinner. I said, all right, I'll get it for you. And so I got him up some muskrat. He said, now, uh, my wife, she can cook up a storm. Now, boy, you're going to be patting your feet. And And so... He got that muskrat water out there. It was red meat. And he says, I will just take it easy because it's going to just fall apart. And I took my fork and went in there to it, and that sucker just fell apart like he said. I took a bite up. I said, oh, my God. You know what that tastes like? It tastes just like a steak, like you're eating steak. My dad go to a wild game feast in Ohio every year. The Masons have a wild game feast and put all that wild meat on the table and put the muskrat in the middle of the table, heaped all up. And then he says, well, what happened when it's time to eat? They all dive in that one plate, the muskrat. <laughs> dad said, well, what, you, what the devil's going on? What's that? <laughs> he said, Hey, man, you got to taste that. Said, that's the best job you ever tasted. That's muskrat. Said, that tastes just like eating a real steak. And he said, that's the reason why they're diving in there. They want that better than the rest of it. And I said, oh, Lord. So he got a piece, and he was shocked. He couldn't believe his eyes. He said, that was something else. Yeah. So that's what all about muskrat is. So they just kill them for the hides mostly, and them guys just bury the meat. They don't know that they're burying something that could be it. Seriously, I will eat just about anything. And I do have the dance that I do in the chair when I eat good food. I am toe-tapping, so I totally get what you are saying about the hidden goods. 
I do want to thank both of you for being here today and coming all the way from Arizona and just really taking the time to tell me these stories and giving me your backstory. It changes the perspective. I now know these little pieces of history and I know what the drip means. So there's always that. Really, I want to thank you again for all of your time that you spent today. And if you want to hear more about Eugene Day, his backstory, and see some of the videos and clips and descriptions, click on the website.